0: Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled Practical Faith: A House of Morality, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on August 13th, 2017.
1: Well, good morning everyone. How are we doing this morning? Yay! We got some excited people on the front row. All right, how about you in the back? Woo! All right, there we go. We enter his courts with praise, right? Amen? Amen. 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 All right. If you would grab your Bibles and we're gonna continue in our series um, through First Corinthians and we're basically going on a journey together talking about practical faith how do we apply the things that God has given us in our lives making it practical for everyday life and so this morning what I'd like to do is just jump right in 1st Corinthians chapter 4 and we're going to look at the first two verses there and then we're going to jump over to chapter 6 for the heart of the message today. So as we think about God's house, God's church, remember we, we committed and said that we understand that we are God's house. We are the temple of the living God. And so God lives in us and God dwells through us. He lives through us as his people, as his children. And so it's important for us to understand some very specific things of what God wants to do in us and how he wants to use us in the world around us. So what I like to do is 1 Corinthians chapter 4, if you look at verses 1 and 2, We're going to have them on the screen there, I think. Hopefully. There we go. And let's read those together. It just simply says, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. See, Paul is addressing the church. He is addressing the believers at the church of Corinth. And he's reminding you and I three very important things here. And I want to focus in on the specific words before we get into the main passage this morning. Because I think it's important for us to understand who we are in Christ. Where we stand. What our role is as believers. And the first thing that Paul says here is that we are servants, right? And a servant is an attendant. You know, the word that he used here translated in the Greek is an under rower. It's someone that works under the boat, kind of is enslaved to the master, the crew chief, the one that kind of heads up everything. You and I, we are servants of God. And we have to understand that in everything that we do, we serve God. We live in obedience to the things that God commands us to do and what he tells us to do. And how he wants us to live this life that he's given us. 1 Timothy 4.6 explains it like this. It says, If you put these things before the brothers... You will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the word of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. See, he's telling us to train ourselves in godliness. Train ourselves in this faith that we have. And the second thing that we see here, the second word that I like to focus on this morning is simply the word steward. See, we have to understand that we have been entrusted as stewards of the things that God has given us. See, as a servant, God hands us over all of his creation. He says, I, I put you over my creation. In Genesis, we see the story of creation and we learn that, that God puts man in charge of creation. So we are his stewards of the things that he's created. And what's interesting, I think sometimes we forget because we get so busy um, taking care of our household in the essence of you know, doing the things that we need to maintain our house, our literal house. But we forget that we are stewards of God's household. See, we are to take care of one another. We are to help each other and encourage each other as the body of Christ. And in part, that's why we gather every Sunday morning. To lift each other up, to stir each other up in the faith, and help each other understand the things that God has called us to become. First Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a gift, use it. Underline that. Use it. Circle it. Use it to serve one another and as good stewards of God's varied grace. See, we've been entrusted with something and because we've been entrusted, we have to be trustworthy. So the third word that I want to focus in on, I want you to think about this. As a servant, as a steward, we have to be trustworthy. See, it just simply means that when we become servants, when we become stewards, we have to use what God has given us Faithfully. See, we've been entrusted with so many great things. We've been gifted in certain ways. We've been allowed to be a part of, and we've been given God's mercy, God's grace. And so we have to be trustworthy with that. We have to use that for the glory of God, to honor God. Matthew 25, 26, the parable of the talons. The master says this to the servant. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I just think that's such a wonderful descriptor of the moment that we enter into the presence of God and we live our lives in honor and glory of God and what God will say to us as we live this life to glorify him. See, these three words are words that I believe God wants us to understand. And not only understand, but God wants us to live by. See, we should live our lives as servants, as stewards, those that have been entrusted with so much. And when we do that, we honor God. See, I I bring these things to the forefront because as we look at this journey that Paul sets forth for the church at Corinth, we we understand in the first few chapters how Paul has given us the understanding that as the body of Christ, that we have to be united in Jesus Christ, right? He gives us the the repercussions or what happens when we're a divided house. And then in chapter 4, he starts this and he reminds us before he gets into the heart of what he really needs to tell us, he admonishes as he corrects the church. See, because remember, Paul is, is speaking to the believers. He's not speaking to those who haven't committed to a faith in Jesus Christ. These are all people that have given their lives to Jesus. Now they're just understanding and beginning to learn, being sanctified in knowing how to live for Christ, how to turn from the old and enter into the new life that Christ has given them. So it's important that we hear these two first verses these first two verses, excuse me, in chapter 4. Again, I want to just repeat it. This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. See, I want to ask you this morning, do you live in a moral house? And remember, the house that we speak of is our body. Because we are the temple of the living God. And so I want to ask you the question again, do you live in a moral house? See, I think that's an important question to ask ourselves because we look at the world around us and we see how fallen it is, how broken it is, and we walk into it and we give up and we say, oh my gosh, what am I to do? This world is such a mess. But see, God God sees the people around us. God sees this world And he sees hope. He sees something different. And and if we want the world to change, we ourselves have to change. We ourselves have to look on the inside at our own hearts and see what are we doing to contribute to make the body of Christ a moral house, to make our own lives a house of morality. And in chapter 6, Paul gets right into it. And I tell you what, Paul says some very powerful things in this chapter. Paul speaks and addresses some very important things that I think you and I really need to pay close attention to, especially because we understand the world that we live in. And it's very easy for one of us, or for all of us, to fall into some of those temptations, some of those things that would, would break down the house of God, that would destroy the house of God. So remember what Paul says... In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, he says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? You are the house of God. And if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. See, Paul reminds us of these things before he gets into the points that he's going to make here in this chapter, chapter 6. And I think we really need to pay close attention attention to this. See, because to be a moral person, person by definition, it just simply means that we are to take on or to conform to what is right. The right things of God. God's law, God's desires, the things that God created us for and to become. And we have to move away from the things of this world and move towards the things of God. So to be a house of morality... We, as God's temple, must allow God to change our way of thinking. He has to change what we believe and our behaviors if we are going to be a moral house. So before we read, let, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. And Lord, as we go on this journey together through this book, through, through this epistle of Paul that he shares with the church at Corinth, Father. Father, I pray that these words would speak to our hearts. That as we look to discover and to understand that we wouldn't just, um, just understand and know what you're expecting of us, Father. But that we would actually live it out, Father. That we would look for areas that we would search our own hearts to discover the things that you want to change in us. And if there are some behaviors that we have in our lives right now, Father, that you would, that you would help us to overcome them. That you would give us victory, over the things, the bondage of things that that keep us down and that hinder our faith, that hinder the journey that you have us on. Lord, we come before you and we ask this in Jesus' name because we believe, we believe that you are God and we believe that you will help us and that you will love us and that you will encourage us and you will remind us of the things that you desire for us. So Father, as we read these words, speak to our hearts, fill us with your spirit and help us. Help us to understand. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We do it all in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. All right, what I'd like to do this morning, if we could, chapter 6, just reading verses 9 through 20 together. And we'll start in in verse 9. Everybody there? Got your Bibles? Ready to go? I know this is kind of a deep and and kind of a heavy passage here. But I, I believe God has some good things for us this morning. Do you believe that? I believe that this morning. So let's read this together, starting in in verse 9. Paul says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So flee from sexual morality. Every, pers- every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? See, you are not your own, for you were brought, bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. I think there's a, a couple things that, that we can gain to, to ensure that, that we have a house of morality. So that we, we live our lives in a different way. That we allow God to change us and help us to understand truly the things that he has for us. And, and the first thing that we see here is that we are to understand right from wrong. See, Paul jumps right into it. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous, unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So don't be deceived, don't be fooled. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. See, it's the difference between right and wrong. And I think it's important for you and I to understand that. It's important enough that God put it in His Word so that we would hear these things and understand what these words mean. See, to be sexual and moral and to do the right thing in regards to our sexuality is that we keep our, our, our eyes pure and our hearts pure from the things of this world. See, everywhere we turn, whether it be a TV commercial or a movie or a TV show, we see this sexual immorality. We see the world saying, "Hey, this is okay. You know, if you if you have multiple partners, it's okay. You can do this as long as you're having fun and it brings joy to your life. As long as you're happy, it's okay." See, that's not the right that God preaches. See, sex outside of marriage with anyone or anything besides a man and a woman is immoral. It goes against God's word. And so we as humans, we have to protect ourselves. We have to protect our eyes and we have to protect what we allow in our hearts. See, the other thing he talks about here is idolaters. See, God is the only God that we worship. He is our number one over our spouse, over our kids, over our jobs, over everything. Several years back, um, my wife and I, we've been married for quite a long time and uh, been together for even longer. But several years back, as, as my wife was growing in her faith and she began to understand who God was in her life and as, as God had her on this journey, one day, I, just kind of out of nowhere, she came to me and, and, and I'm going to preface this by saying I was glad she said what I'm about to say. One day she came to me and she says, Floyd, I've got to tell you something. She said, I've realized that over the last several years that I've put you above God. That, that you are my hope. That you are my everything. That you are-, are everything that I look to. You're the person that I lean on in this life. And I, and I had to ask God for forgiveness for that. Because I-, I need to put God first in my life. But you're a close second. <laughs> See, God has to be first. And when, when, when God is not, then we become idolaters. And a lot of us think about idolatry and we look at a statue and we think, oh, well, I don't have any statues that I worship or that I, that I give my life to or I bow down before. But some of us, we have kids that we bow down before. Some of us have spouses that we bow down to. Some of us have Our jobs, or work, or toys, or fill in the blank. There's some things in our lives that that end up becoming more important to us than God does. And that's why Paul gets to this point. He says, these kind of people will not inherit the kingdom of God. So understand this. Know this. The next thing he says is adulterers. See, because in God's eyes, marriage is between one man and one woman. And it's done between the confines of marriage. You, we are not to have multiple partners. You know, polygamy isn't something that God desires for mankind. Because, again, what did Paul say? When the flesh is joined together, they become what? One. One. The next thing he talks about here is homosexuality. You know, it's interesting in our world today because... To some degree, homosexuality has become somewhat of a fad in our community, especially with our younger generation. I was looking at some statistics in our world, and they're not real recent, but it's up to like 2015, and it talks about how, how in our society, the demographics or the age group that, that uh, is experiencing or experimenting with homosexuality comes from the ages of 13 through about 30. That's the largest population right now. Do you know that that same demographic is the largest population of people that are HIV positive right now also? That that statement should break our hearts. See, the world is attacking our children. The world is, is deceiving our children, and they're fooling us in the essence of saying that this is okay. This is just who I am. But it's not. It's not their identity. See, our identity is found in Jesus Christ. And that's why God created sex. God allowed us to have procreation between a man and a woman. And He did it for us. But see, what we've done is we've perverted it. We've changed it. And not just this. This isn't the only segment of what Paul is addressing. He goes on to address the aspect of being thieves and being greedy and being swindlers. So you think, well, well, how do those tie in? I I don't ever steal. I'm not a greedy person. And I don't cheat people. See, Paul right here is saying, simply work for what you want. If you need something, go out there and labor for it. See, the Bible teaches us that that if if we plant just a little bit, then we'll reap just a little bit. And I'm not talking about finances. I'm talking about what you do and how you do it. Because a a farmer, when he plants, he doesn't just plant a a two-by-four space and expect the whole acre to grow and produce fruit, does he? See, it's no different in our lives that, that if we protect ourselves in certain ways, we work hard for the things that we want, it's less likely that we'll become some of these things that Paul is talking about. See, the next thing he talks about here is being a drunkard. So I would just encourage you as a believer to keep your minds clear. See, back then in in their time, wine was used for very specific things. And and we can talk about the aspect of alcohol and all that stuff all day long. But I just want to encourage you as a believer, don't allow yourselves to become a drunkard. So you know the difference between a simple glass of wine and becoming drunk. You know, for, for many years of my early life, mom, plug your ears, please. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I drank a lot. I, I drank a lot of beer. And, and it's not something I say proudly, but I'll tell you, I understood at the moment that I went from beer number one to beer number two, I became a drunkard. My, my body and my mind was not clear. You know, I, I can't speak for you, but I will tell you, listen to what Paul's trying to encourage the church about, and understand that if, it, if there's an aspect in your life, or there's an area in your life that, that you struggle in, then remove it. Take it out completely. See, I learned really quick that I had to completely remove alcohol from my life. I had to ask God to, to free me, to deliver me from that because that was something that was controlling my life. And in today's time, it's not just, it's just, not just alcohol. It's a whole lot of other things. Don't, don't let yourself be controlled by this. Don't let yourself become something that God never intended you to become. The last thing here that Paul addresses, and I know I'm spending a lot of time on this, but I, I believe it's important, and we're going to get to a little bit more here in just a second, but he, he talks about being revilers. Do you, do you know what that word means? Well, if you've ever said anything slanderous or bad about somebody else, you're a reviler. You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm going to raise my hand. Because I've done that. Sadly enough, I've done it about people that I love and care about just because I've got my feelings hurt or I, I was offended or, or for whatever excuse or justification that I made in my heart. See, he says those people, those that, that revile, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what do we do to, to, to change that? To let God change us? Well, we, we say uplifting things about one another. We remind each other of the importance. Again, Again, it's the house of God. And we don't destroy the house of God, do we? We, we lift it up, Paul tells us. We don't destroy it. And the only way to lift it up is by, by saying positive things, by encouraging one another to, to help each other to see how God has made them so fearfully and wonderfully and how important they are to the kingdom of God, how important they are to us. See, using our words to, to berate or, or discredit or abuse isn't ever what God intended our words to become. You know, my house, and a lot of people chuckle at this, but even today, my my kids are old people now, but we we don't use the word stupid in our house. And for years, people had questioned that. Well, I don't get it. What's the big deal? Well, stupid to me is just as bad of a word as any other word that we use that we call a bad word. Because what does it do? It berates someone, doesn't it? It belittles them. It brings them down. And so we don't use that word in my house. We, we, we choose the words wisely that we use. There's better words to use in our language than that. So let's use our words to lift each other up. See, it's important for us to know the difference between right and wrong. And it's not the, the right that the world preaches. It's the right that God preaches. And we have to allow God to change us. We have to understand what is right in the sight of God and what is wrong in the sight of God. And Paul just nails it right here. He says, look, here it is. He said, these these things right here will will move you from the kingdom of God. I want to offer this to you. Here's the way we should live when the Spirit of God dwells in us. It's in Galatians chapter 5. Verses 22 through 24. It says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is what? No law. Amen? You see that? Then he goes on to say, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Key words there. Listen to the words. With its passions and its desires. Because those are the things that, if you look in the book of James, James, he tells us that's what gets us in trouble. Because we want to satisfy our own passions, our own desires. See, we can't let the world fool us. We can't let them think, let them think, Deceive us into believing that we can go on living this way. We have to allow God to change us. See, and we have to do the next thing. We have to acknowledge what has been done. See, this is an important part of our life with Christ. Acknowledging what has been done. Verses 10 and 11 of our passage, Paul says, And such were some of you. Circle that right there. And such were some of you. But you were washed and you were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Do you hear that? I will not be dominated by anything. He is simply saying that I will not allow sin to rule my life. I will not allow sin to control me. I will control my sin. I will control my passions. Because of the Spirit of God that dwells in me. He will give me the power and the strength. See, when we acknowledge what has been done, there are two parts in understanding what has actually been done. One is that, that we have sinned. We are all guilty of these things in one way or the other. See Jesus says if we if we lust in our hearts then we've committed that crime. See if we've hated in our hearts then we've murdered. We've committed that crime. See we're all sinful. We are all sinners. See that's our part. See we stumbled, we fell, we made some mistakes. We've done some wrongs in this world. We've fallen short. See, we've taken what God has given us as a gift, creation, and we've perverted it and changed it and made it so it fulfills our own selfish passions, our own selfish desires. See, that's our part. That's, that's a, what we've done. But I'm not going to leave you there, and God doesn't leave us right there because God has done something too. See, God has done His part. And I want you to to really listen to this part as you're thinking about your part. I want you to listen to this part because this is so important. Do I have your attention? Yes. Please hear this, okay? I, I want you to know this. See, God's part was John 3, 16. He sent His only begotten Son to die on a cross. He so loved you I don't, don't think about the world right now. Think about you. See, God loved you. That he sent his son to die on a cross. See, and there's a significance to this cross, okay? I want you to hear me on this. The significance of the cross is a price. Alright? The wages of sin, the wages of our part, is death. You and I, I deserve death. But God did his part. God wasn't going to leave us there. He sent his son and he put him on a cross. And something significant happened on that cross. As Jesus slayed on that cross, as the nails pierced his hands, his blood was shed, his body was broken, so that you and I could have what? Life life see that was God's part see in the beginning Genesis he breathed life into us he gave us life and we fell we blew it we sinned against God we turned selfish we broke down that house that house became decrepit But God saw that house and He says, I see more than just the brokenness. I see more than that. I see what I've created. I see what I love. I see you. And see, He said, I've got to give them hope. I've got to do something for them. I've got to pay the price. And He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross. See, that was God's part. See, we have to understand that that God created us very specific. He created created us with an intention and a purpose and a plan. there's There's a portion in this passage here that we're looking at that kind of throws you a little bit, and you wonder why Paul says this, but it's a really key element to what Paul's trying to communicate to us as the church. See, in verses 13 and 14, he says, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual impurity or immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. See, you were meant for something different. God created you with a purpose and a plan. He didn't create you to be sexually immoral. He didn't create you to to pervert and and destroy the things that he had given us. See, just like the stomach and the body will be destroyed, God's saying, I'm going to destroy this sin. I'm going to get rid of it. But you know what? You, you were created for eternal. You were created for the long run. See, when he says this, the body was meant for the Lord. And because God raised Jesus, he will also raise us by his power. We have to understand that we were created for more. See, when we see this and understand that God did his part, we live our lives differently. It should change us inside. It should just just change the things that we desire. And we should seek after and discover the things that God has for us in our lives. See, and it's all because God sent his son to die on a cross. And we understand the significance of that cross. We understand the price that was paid for me. The price that was paid for you. The price that was paid for the person sitting next to you. See, God did his part. See, we have to acknowledge what has been done. Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Then Paul ends this portion of scripture, verses 19 and 20. Again he says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. See, it's so important that we understand our role in this. We understand why God created us and our purpose. As we close this morning, I just kind of, I want to offer you something. I want to offer you an opportunity to respond right now to the things that God has for you. When you think about those things that, that Paul tells us about that the people that live in these lives that, that won't inherit the kingdom of God. You know, it'd be simple for me to just simply say, Don't do it. But in this life, in this world, in our humanity, it's not always just that simple, is it? But I tell you what, if you take the first step, the first step is simply to to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, to become a servant. To become a servant of Jesus Christ. Living in full submission to Him. And then then from there, you you just take the second step. And take what God is giving you, the grace, the gifts, all that you have, and be a steward of it. Manage it well. That's your first step. See, when when you do those first two things... You are more apt to turn away from the, the sins of this world, the things that you desire, the selfishness that Paul talks about in this passage. Is, and you're going to move towards the things that God desires for you. Because you're going to do it in submission to God. You know, in the church world, we, we, we call it a, a prayer of repentance. You know, a prayer of salvation. You know, and there really is no prayer of salvation in God's Word. But I tell you what, there is a prayer of salvation in your hearts. Do you catch that? See, if you pray with your hearts, if you believe in your hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, that He died on a cross, that He paid a price, that He shed the blood, you will have eternal life. God has promised you that. God is offering you that this morning. But you have to submit. You have to surrender. You have to become a servant. Will you pray with me? Father, I I thank you for this morning. Lord, I I know there are things in our hearts that right now that you're just stirring and you're helping us to kind of think through and to to digest. And there's just so much more, Father, that you have for us. Father, so I, I pray by the power of your spirit this morning that, that you would lead us to the cross. That you would help us to really understand the significance of what you've done for us. Father, if we are to be a house of morality, we have to understand the price that was paid and we have to understand that in our brokenness that you loved us. And that you see us as so much more. Father, and and through that and by that, that we would just run to you. That we would flee from this immorality that this world offers us. Father, and we would run to you, run to the cross of Jesus. Father, right now, I just, I pray for every heart that's in here, Father. I don't know where they're at. I don't know what the struggle is. I don't know what's going on in their lives. Father, everything might be just great. But Father, I pray that right now in these moments, that we would just reflect on our own hearts. That we would just take the time before we sing these, this last song to just cry out to you, Fathers to pray in our hearts, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of salvation, calling out for your help to restore us, to save us, to wash us, to cleanse us, to renew us, to sanctify us. Father, we have sinned and we have fallen short. We are all guilty, Father, but we have hope. We have hope because of your Son, Jesus Christ. So I pray this morning, Father, as we go away from here, we would walk out of these doors just proclaiming the hope of Jesus, the hope that you gave us through your Son, and that we would be reminded each and every day of the love and the grace and the mercy that we have in you. Lord, we, we love you, we praise you, and we give you glory, and we do it all in Jesus' precious name.
0: Amen. Thank you for listening. And we pray you were blessed by today's message. You are invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Sol Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.